Welcome to the African History Network show. It is Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well today. Broadcasting right here on 19 a.m. Superstation, WFDF, the Future Radio. So this past Saturday, I was watching the Cross Connection with Tiffany Cross, as I do basically every Saturday, and I record it. So even if I'm busy, if I'm traveling, or if I'm not even up yet, because I was up late the night before uh, editing video, I, I can still watch it. She had, she had a very interesting segment dealing with uh, a topic that we have dealt with a number of times here on this show. And this deals with uh, some Native Americans, some Native American nations owning enslaved Africans, some Native American nations uh, owning enslaved Africans. And we've talked about the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866. And this uh, happened at the end of the U.S. Civil War. And it gave citizenship to the uh, African slaves that they owned and uh, uh, many African-Americans who were in the Oklahoma Territory. And they're going to get uh, land because of these Indian treaties, Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866. And a lot of the first African-American landowners in Tulsa, Oklahoma, got land because of these Indian treaties. And these are treaties with the U.S. government. So we've also dealt with how a lot of uh, a lot of those African-Americans were pushed out of those treaties and their land was taken. And this also ties into the history of Tulsa, Oklahoma and the Greenwood District in North Tulsa and the business district in the Greenwood District is commonly known as Black Wall Street. So when we had the, when we commemorated the 100th anniversary of the attack of, of the Tulsa Race Massacre, June 1st, 1921, um, a lot of that history that we've talked about here on this show for a number of years, a lot of that history dealing with the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866, tied, came out and people like historian Hannibal, Hannibal B. Johnson, who I've talked about a number of times here on this show, because I read his book, uh, his fantastic book, uh, dealing with the real history of Black Wall Street and the Tulsa Race Massacre and how we, re how we rebuilt North Tulsa after the race massacre also. Okay, this is another part of the history that I've talked about a number of times but it came out um, a little bit during the 100th commemoration. A lot of people like to focus on the destruction and the race massacre that took place. And some African-Americans have a defeatist attitude and use the race massacre as a reason saying we can't do anything because white people always destroy what we had. And even though there are many cases of them destroying it, there's other cases where they didn't. But this case here, we rebuilt Black Wall Street with our own money and help from surrounding black townships after the race massacre. Because in 1926, 
when Dr. W.B. DuBois visited Tulsa, he remarked at how Tulsa, uh, how North Tulsa was was uh, prosperous again after having the race massacre just five years earlier. So Tiffany Cross spoke with attorney DeMario Solomon Simmons uh, this past Saturday, dealing with the fight uh, of the descendants of these black freedmen to gain citizenship in the Creek Indian nation. But also representative Maxine Waters is trying to help. Representative Maxine Waters is trying to help. Now, I don't know how many people saw this information. We know a lot of people like to engage in disinformation campaigns and misrepresent information on social media to elevate their social media platforms because they have nothing else better to do. Hopefully they told you about this. This is an article from Yahoo News, uh, originally from thegrio.com. Maxine Waters leads push to get justice for black Native Americans. Maxine Waters leads, leads push to get justice for black Native Americans. This is from October 13th, 2021. We'll talk about this. But also on our Sunday show, we dealt with this second topic a little bit. And there's been so many uh, different things we've been dealing with. And we talked uh, a lot about the documentary from MSNBC, uh, Civil War, The Root of Our Division, because that ties a lot into that history dealing with slavery and the Civil War and Reconstruction, ties a lot into what's going on right now in the divisions in this country right now, lack of understanding of history, attacks on critical race theory, critical race theory being weaponized as a uh, tool to scare white people to death, even though critical race theory is not being taught in K through 12 schools. There's a huge effort to keep it out of school. Nobody's trying to teach critical race theory in K through 12. They want to teach American history. You may have a problem with children learning about white supremacy and racism and systemic racism and the civil rights movement and Dr. King and Ruby Bridges. Okay. Well, that's because uh, you feel guilty maybe about what uh, some, uh, some of your ancestors did. We're dealing with history. Okay. Just like you teach the history about George Washington owning slaves or Thomas Jefferson owning slaves. That's history also. That needs to be taught as well. So on, on Sunday's show, we talked a little bit about how the Department of Justice um, just settled a redlining discrimination lawsuit, a redlining discrimination lawsuit involving the bank. And they have a new initiative to crack down on redlining. There was a, uh, a good article from the Washington Post dealing with this. There was a press conference held. Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland and uh, Kristen Clark, uh, Assistant uh, Deputy Attorney General of the Civil Rights Division, they held a press conference on, uh, I think that was October 21st, uh, October 21st. But if we look at this uh, as well, Justice Department launches new effort to target discriminatory lending among uh, lending among banks. Axios.com has an article dealing with this Justice Department to increase enforcement of redlining. And uh, Washington Post has a good article on this as well. We're going to talk about this because in the press conference and in the information they put out, they, they talk about how 
redlining contributes to the racial wealth gap. How redlining contributes to the racial wealth gap. So we'll discuss that uh, as well today. Now on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or a woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. And uh, we're coming up here on a break. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show, 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, Future Radio, on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV, the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30-plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now. Show we deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Unfortunately, many people confuse what racism is. Racism is a power structure. It was laws and policies that put us in this predicament. It's going to be laws and policies that take us out. So you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts. You control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do what teach what it doesn't know. We have it all on 910 AM Superstation. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well. Okay, the call number is 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600. There's a call-in number if you have a question or comment. Uh, if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. A-H-N show at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You know, Kwanzaa's coming up, African American History Month, Dr. King Day, etc. If you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization. And uh, also be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And you can register for the uh, online courses that I teach on uh, on the weekend. Okay, I want to uh, jump into this first topic here. So we're going to go to clip one here in just a minute, Shakita. Um, on the cross connection with uh, Tiffany Cross on MSNBC. Um, Saturday, uh, October 31st, well, actually Saturday, October 30th, um, she spoke with attorney uh, Demario Solomon Simmons, and they discussed uh, descendants of black enslaved uh, descendants of black enslaved descendants of black people enslaved by native Americans continue to seek, uh, citizenship, continue to seek citizenship within these native American tribes. Many of the freedmen, as they were called, 
marched with Native Americans in what is known as the Trail of Tears. And this is true. Uh, about a third of the people on the Trail of Tears were African-Americans. This gets left out of history. And we know that the sec uh, this was under this, this was in 1830 under President Andrew Jackson. We know his secretary of war was Lewis Cass, who's cast who cast technical high school is named after. And Lewis Cass helped engineer the Trail of Tears, which killed hundreds of Native Americans as well, well probably thousands, as well as African-Americans. This is one of the reasons why Cass takes needs to change the name and, and not have it after somebody who inflicted uh, horror on their own people. But that's another show. So many of the freedmen marched with Native Americans on the Trail of Tears. Congresswoman Maxine Waters is leading the charge in pushing for federal legislation that would penalize Native American tribes for not complying with an 1866 treaty which gave tribal rights to black Native Americans, which gave tribal rights to black Native Americans. And this is known, also known as the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866. You've heard one of my teachers, Dr. Claude Anderson, talk about this a number of times. You've heard me, he and I talk about this in our, our interviews uh, that I've done with him. And you've heard me talk about it here on this show and in my lectures, et cetera, especially when I deal with the history of Black Wall Street. Now, if we look at, uh, and then we'll go to this clip here in just a minute, Shakita. If we look at, for a little background information, this is an article we've talked about before, and I've done a two and a half, two and a half hour lecture dealing with the history of Black Wall Street, the origins of Tulsa, Oklahoma, how Tulsa was founded by Creek Indians around 1834, and Tulsa is derived from the Creek Indian word Tulsi. Nine entrepreneurs who helped build Tulsa's Black Wall Street. Nine entrepreneurs who helped build Tulsa's Black Wall Street. Before the Tulsa Race Massacre, the city's African-American district thrived as a community of business leaders and visionaries. Now, this is from History.com, official website of the History Channel, uh, May 14th, 2021. But in the article, they talk about African-Americans and land ownership in Oklahoma. African-Americans and land ownership in Oklahoma. Uh, and Hannibal B. Johnson, who I've talked to before, Hannibal B. Johnson, is quoted in this article. He's a brilliant historian. He's one of the top historians on the history of Black Wall Street. Before the Greenwood District was established, African-Americans came to uh, Oklahoma in the mid-19th centuries, in the mid-19th centuries, as slaves of the five civilized tribes of Native Americans, of the five civilized tribes of Native Americans, the Choctaw, Chickasaw, Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians, okay? All this history is connected. This is why you have to understand a chronology of history. So this is why in, in my classes I teach on the weekend, we take you throughout a chronology of history, basically year after year after year, so we see how all these dates that we learned maybe in school, and some dates we didn't learn, how all of this is connected. The Choctaw, Chickasaw, Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians all owned African slaves. 
and uh, these African Americans were forced these the the, the uh, uh, Native American nations and African Americans were forced from their lands in the southeast part of the United States, resettling in Oklahoma, which was then Indian territory. They get they get pushed off their land in southeastern United States because of the Indian Removal Act get pushed off out of Alabama and Georgia, things like this. They go over a thousand miles into Oklahoma on the Trail of Tears, which is Indian territory. Oklahoma does not become a state in the Union until 1907. This is in the 1830s. After the Civil War, which is 1861 to 1865, under the terms of these treaties that are still in force today, so when we talk about reparations, the first thing you should do is talk about the Black Freeman Indian treaties because they're still in effect today. We just pushed out of them. I don't know why the hell people want to reinvent the wheel. That, 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 we just we just do some of the dumbest ass thing. I'm just just be honest with you. I'm sorry. These are these are laws on the books right now. We just overlooked this. We got land compensation from the government. We got uh, became uh, uh, members of the Native American nations because of these Indian treaties. We go just want to reinvent uh, something else. So, okay. All right. That's what you, okay. We confuse activity with productivity. After the civil war, under the terms of the treaties of 1866, that's still in effect today. We just got pushed out of many of us in 1941. These African-Americans were emancipated with some integrating into the tribes, a relationship that would later provide freedmen with their own land. Uh-oh. You mean they got land? People talk about we want a nation, but these Africans got land? Hmm. Tell me more. Quote, the relative wealth of some black folks in Oklahoma, which had about 50 black townships. Quote, the relative wealth of some black folks in Oklahoma comes in part through their connection to the tribes and their land ownership, end quote, says Hannibal B. Johnson, historian and author of Black Wall Street 100, an American city grapples with this historical racial trauma. Okay, but Hannibal B. Johnson is also the author of this book, which is one of the real first historical books on Black Wall Street. You know, Robin Walker has a good book on Black Wall Street, the historian Robin Walker, who also brilliant, brilliant historian who um, is out of the UK with Facebook friends. He, Robin Walker also wrote Blacks and Religion, Volume 1. Robin Walker wrote a, uh, also a smaller book on um, the history of Black Wall Street. But in that book, he cited this one. One of his sources, one of, one of Robin Walker's sources for his book on Black Wall Street was this one right here from Hannibal B. Johnson. Hannibal B. Johnson is the man and he's black also. There's some white authors and white historians who write about Black Wall Street. But Hannibal, Hannibal B. Johnson is black. He's the man. I'm just telling you, he's the man. Okay. And Robin Walker also wrote When We Ruled, which is like, when it comes to books on African history, it's like up here, When We Ruled. When we, I have it around here somewhere. Hold on. Because we were talking about it in my class. Um, where the hell is When We Ruled? When We Ruled is around here. Okay, I got to find it. I've got like five stacks of books around me. But anyway. Hannibal B. Johnson is the man, I'm just telling you. And uh, he was interviewed all over the place. All the different networks were interviewing him uh, during the 100th commemoration of the Tulsa Race Massacre. He was everywhere. Okay, now, let's continue. 
And he's also the all the documentaries that were airing during the commemoration of Tulsa Race Massacre, he was in all those documentaries also. Quote, the relative wealth of some black folks in Oklahoma comes in part through their connection to the tribes and their land ownership. Okay. Now Hannibal B. Johnson then goes on and talks about the Dawes Allotment Act of 1887, which redistributed 138 million acres of land. And most of that land was supposed to go to African-Americans and Native Americans, but white people got two thirds of the land. The Dawes Allotment Act of 1887, named after Senator Henry L. Dawes of Massachusetts, authorized the government to divide tribal territories into allotments for individual Native Americans, which included black members. Uh oh, wait a second. You mean they got intangible? They got some land? People keep talking about reparations. You mean these black people got some land that they built towns with? The Dawes Allotment Act of 1887 authorized the government to divide tribal territories into allotments for individual Native Americans, which included black members. As word spread that Indian territory was a safe place for African Americans to settle between 1865 and 1920, more than 50 black townships were founded in Oklahoma because these black people were owning land. A lot of that land they got from these Indian treaties. The Indian treaties are still in effect today. We just got pushed out of a lot of them and our land was taken. We had to take the land back. We had to enforce the Indian treaties. This is low hanging fruit. But if you don't understand law, you just keep running around in circles talking about we ain't get paid for slavery. We deserve reparations. Now, this may go outside the covers of some people's awareness. My question, my, oh, we're coming up on the break. We'll continue that on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 19 AM Superstation and Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services we are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365, and Surface Tablet, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. 
Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021, uh, election day. I have to get used. We have a new break time, so we take breaks now every 15 minutes. So I have to get used. Okay. <laughs> okay, so right before the break, we were talking about this history and uh, dealing with the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866. African-Americans actually getting land because of these Indian treaties after the Civil War ended because they were enslaved by uh, the what are known as the five civilized tribes of Native Americans, the Choctaw, Chickasaw, Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians. They get pushed out of those treaties around 1941 when the U.S. government conspires with the five civilized tribes of Native Americans to redefine what a Native American is. They redefine it and say you have to have one quarter or one quantum Native American blood. Uh, many of our ancestors had their land uh, taken. Uh, and there's an effort. There's been an effort for a number of years. Dr. Claude Anderson has been involved in this for a number of years, et cetera, and others. To enforce the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866, these African people actually got land, got compensation after slavery ended. OK, while people, you know, in people fighting for reparations, things like this. Okay. First thing we should do, this is low hanging fruit. And I talked to some of the people involved in reparations movement. They skip over this. They want to do something else. I'm like, wait a second. These people actually got land. They built towns. They built towns in Oklahoma. Some of the early black landowners in, in black wall street got land because of these Indian treaties and the Dawes allotment after 1887. While we keep overlooking what already existed. I don't, I don't even understand that. You know, the Dawes Allotment Act of 1887 authorized the government to divide tribal territories into allotments for individual Native Americans, which included black members, which included black members. As word spread that Indian territory was a safe place for African Americans to settle, between 1865 and 1920, more than 50 black townships were founded in Oklahoma. And there's going to be a lot of these black townships that are going to help the African-Americans in North Tulsa rebuild after the Tulsa race massacre. That's part of the story that's not told that much. We talk about the destruction. White people came in, destroyed what we had, but we rebuilt it. And it was even better by many accounts. It was even better the second time. I know Sade said never as good as the first time, but hell, they built they built it even better the second time. The relic once again, Hannibal B. Johnson, who's an actual historian and is a, one of the top experts on the history of Tulsa, Oklahoma, especially Black Wall Street, said the relative wealth of some black folks in Oklahoma comes in part through their connection to the Native American tribes and their land ownership because they got land through those treaties. And we know Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution says that the U.S. Constitution, all of the previous treaties and all of the subsequent treaties are the supreme law of the land. So we're going to go to this clip in just a minute, but let me, let me say this here. I'm all for repairing the damage of slavery, but I'm for also, uh, doing it uh in a logical way and uh an expedient way because some of this stuff out here just beyond this nonsense ain't gonna go nowhere 
okay? Now, some people are going to elevate their social media platforms. It ain't going nowhere. And then you have some people say, um, well, we work for free and then get paid, so we deserve reparations. We know slavery was wrong. This may go outside the circumference of some people's awareness, but you got to understand the history of Africans who got actually got land and people like Sarah Rector, who became the richest Afro-American uh, girl in the in the country in the early 1900s. When she was about 12 or 13 years old, we've talked about Sarah Rector. All this history is connected. Read this article here from FaceToFaceAfrica.com. Read the article from Black, BlackPast.org. Sarah Rector was in Oklahoma. Her family got land because of the Dawes Allotment Act of 1887 and because of the uh, Black Freedmen Indian Treaties because her family was of enslaved Creek Indian ancestry and oil was discovered on her land. Oil was discovered on her land. Meet Sarah Rector, the 12-year-old who became America's youngest black millionaire in 1913. Meet Sarah Rector. We ain't talking about no theory. This is, this is actual history. This is our history. This is from July 13, 2018. Meet Sarah Rector, the 12-year-old who became America's youngest black millionaire in 1913. Well, how did this happen? Here's a picture of Sarah Rector. There's three of them. Maybe if you've been drinking or smoking or something, you see three pictures. No, it's not because it has because there's three pictures there. Um, Sarah Rector was born in Indian Territory on March 3rd, 1902. Now, that's five years before Oklahoma becomes a state in the Union. It's still Indian Territory. According to sources, she was considered colored, through, though not African-American, because at this time you had a lot of, lot of um, people you had a lot of people who were of African descent who were considered, uh, who were classified as colored. Okay. Especially if they may have been, uh, owned by native Americans or part of native American nations or something like that, but owned by native Americans, they may have been classified as colored. Okay. According to sources, she was considered colored though not African American. Her parents were owned by Creek Indians before the Civil War. As the site U.S. slave explains, Sarah Rector and some 600 other black children, Sarah Rector and some 600 other black children were entitled to land allotments as the children of enslaved people belonging to, Creek, to, to uh, the Creek Indian Nation as the children of enslaved people belonging to the Creek Indian Nation. Now, in 1866, the Creek Indian Nation signed a treaty with the United States government promising to emancipate their 16,000 slaves and incorporate them into their nation as citizens entitled to, quote, equal interest in the soil and national funds, end quote. See, I've got Cherokee on my mother's side of the family that's from Tennessee because the Cherokee owned slaves also. And some of our people got land and became members of the Cherokee nation and got land because of these treaties. 
So this is why when people talk about repairing the damage of slavery, first thing I said, first thing we need to do is enforce what the hell's already on the books. What you trying to reinvent something, for, create something new for? And, and it, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you actually want to get something accomplished. In 1866, the Creek Indian Nation signed a treaty with the United States government promising to emancipate their 16,000 slaves and incorporate them into their nation as citizens entitled to, quote, equal interest in the soil and national funds, end quote. Two decades later, the federally imposed Dawes Allotment Act of 1887 sparked the beginning of the total assimilation of the Indians of the Indians of the so-called five civilized tribes of Native Americans by forcing them to live on individually owned lots of land instead of community as they had done for centuries, the site explains. But these lands often granted to former slaves were usually worthless, inferior and fertile and rocky, while fertile lands were reserved for white settlers but they did get some land and they got membership into the nations and they got full status in, in, in the nations and those Native American nations. They got benefits. Some of them got financial compensation that many of us still trying to get today. They got it back then. We need to go study how they did it. In fact, believing that it was worthless, Sarah Rector's father even petitioned the court to sell the land as the family could not pay the $30 annual property tax. And I think they should, I think they should, at least you could do is give them free property taxes. Fortunately, his petition was denied by the Muskogee County because of certain legal restrictions. He then decided to lease the land to Standard Oil Company. He decided to lease the land to Standard Oil Company where independent oil driller B.B. Jones found a gusher bringing in 2,500 barrels of oil a day. Because we know oil was discovered in Oklahoma in the early 1900s. This is one of the things that caused a lot of people to go out to Oklahoma to seek their fortune. Little Sarah Rector began receiving an income of $300 per day, which is the equivalent to over $7,000 today, over $7,000 a day today. She's going to become a millionaire. She became so wealthy White people wanted to reclassify her as white. When you research Sarah Rector, because I researched her, I, I talk about Sarah Rector in my uh, lecture series, Great African Women in History, The Mothers of Civilization. She was so wealthy that white people wanted to reclassify her as white. And we know white is a status because um, people immigrating from North Africa in the Middle East are classified as white by the uh, U.S. Census and the federal government. So read this article here from facetofaceafrica.com. Now, right before the break, what I was going to say is, damn, we're up against another break. All right. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, president and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting, LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services, we are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365, and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. 
Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021, and we are live. Uh, be sure to visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. You can register for the online course that I, that I teach on Saturdays usually 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Each class we go through analyze approximately a 10-year period of history. We go through and deal with all this history because this deals with that period of time, the Civil War, and we deal with some history leading up to the Civil War, starting with 1803 and the Louisiana Purchase. Uh, if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. If you want me to do a presentation for your group organization also. Okay, so right before the break, we were dealing with uh, the effort by people like uh, Attorney Demario Solomon Simmons and Representative Maxine Waters to uh, get the uh, Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866 enforced for uh, Black Native Americans, for, for those uh, descendants of the Black Freedmen uh, who were members of these Native American nations. And many of our ancestors were in those treaties and got land, but got pushed out of those treaties around 1941 and afterwards. Uh, so before the break, I was coming up to this question. So a lot of people are fighting for reparations and they say, well, uh, we deserve reparations for it because slavery was wrong and we were for free and didn't get paid. Yes, we know it was wrong. Yes, we know it was morally wrong. Repairing the, but see, see, here's, here's the problem that uh, with a lot of these arguments, a lot of these arguments are moral arguments, but not legal arguments. The Black Freedman Indian Treaties is law. It's still law. The first question I ask, I ask people, and nobody can answer this. This may go outside the circumference of some people's awareness and probably contradicts what a lot of people are saying. But we know it was legal to own slaves until various states made it illegal because by 1787, when you have the Philadelphia Convention, uh, where they drafted the U.S. Constitution, five states had already abolished slavery. Vermont was the first state to abolish slavery July 2nd, 1777, 10 years before the Philadelphia Convention. Now, some states abolished it wholesale. Others just abolished the international transatlantic slave trade, which means bringing Africans to the country. But different states abolished slavery at different times. Illinois abolishes in 1818. Different states, especially in the North, abolished it at different times. What law are you citing that slaves were supposed to be paid? When we go to lawmakers, we don't go to argue morality. You go to argue law. Law, law. Lawmakers legislate law. They write laws. 
They don't legislate morality. If you want to argue morality, go to church. This is one of the fundamental mistakes that's being made. When you go to lawmakers, you go to argue law. The foundation of law in the country is the U.S. Constitution. If a law gets challenged in court, laws can get overturned in the, in the judicial branch of government. The judicial branch of government can strike down laws written by the legislative branch of government. When laws get struck down in the judicial branch of government, the courts, federal court, federal court of appeals, U.S. Supreme Court, they get struck down on the basis that they're unconstitutional, which means they violate the U.S. Constitution. If a law gets upheld in court, it, it remains legal. It gets upheld based upon the fact that it's constitutional, which means it does not violate the U.S. Constitution, which means the U.S. Constitution is the foundation. And Article 6 tells you the U.S. Constitution, all the previous laws and all the subsequent all the, all the U.S. Constitution, all the previous treaties and all of the subsequent treaties are the supreme law of the land. Well, Article 1, Section 9, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution lays the foundation for a legal argument for reparations. Because at the Philadelphia Convention, they put a 20-year clause in the U.S. Constitution, which is Article 1, Section 9, Clause 1. That stated that the earliest that the international transatlantic slave trade could be abolished would be 1808. So March 2nd, 1807, the U.S. Congress abolished the international transatlantic slave trade because you had abolitionists who were delegates at the Philadelphia Convention. All, all, the, all the colonies agreed to abolish the importation of Africans into this country as slaves except for South Carolina. So they put a 20-year clause in the Constitution that stated that the earliest that the international transatlantic slave trade could be abolished was 1808. The law went to effect January 1st, 1808. What this means is that all of the Africans brought into this country from January 1st, 1808 to July 1860 when the Clotilda came into the U.S. was illegal based upon federal law. I still can't figure out why the hell all these people out here trying to get reparations for working for free when they can't cite no law saying slaves are supposed to be free, slaves are supposed to be paid. It was legal not to pay them, but they skip over the fact that all these Africans were brought in, they violated federal law in their court cases to document and back up their legal argument that what was done was illegal based upon federal law. And one of the largest U.S. Supreme Court cases, the 1841 U.S. Supreme Court case of the Amistad slave ship, backs up your legal argument. I still can't figure out why the hell they're running around with this nonsense. Because when you go to archives, archives.gov, archives.gov is the U.S. National Archives. They got some of the original court documents there from the Amistad slave ship case. We all saw the movie. Amistad is like, I think, 1997. Joseph Sin Q, Jaman Hansu, give us free. Okay. What happened to those Africans on the ship? How many people saw the movie? What happened to those Africans on, on the ship? Okay. Who can tell me? All right. They, 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 they won their freedom. Where they go to win their freedom? The case went to the U.S. Supreme Court. When you go to archives.gov, and you read and you read what the U.S. National Archives says. The first thing they tell you 
is that when those Africans were captured in Sierra Leone, it was illegal because it violated international treaties. Okay, that's the first thing they tell you because the European nations has signed international treaties to abolish the international transatlantic slave trade. It tells you this abduction of violated, this abduction violated all of the treaties in existence. In February, 1839, Portuguese slave hunters abducted a large group of Africans from Sierra Leone and shipped them to Havana, Cuba, a center for the slave trade. This abduction violated all of the treaties in existence. I still can't figure out why the hell people are not dealing with law up here dealing with we work for free. What, what the hell are you talking about? Then when you read the ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court, they ruled that it was illegal for those Africans to be brought into the country because the international transatlantic slave trade had been abolished by the federal government. January 1st, 1808. That's, that's a legal argument. Those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. We're going to keep going for a few more minutes. We'll talk about this some more on tomorrow's show. Remember, right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. This is a different type of show. We don't deal with that simple Simon as nonsense. You got to listen to somebody else for that. There's a whole lot of people out there you can listen to. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Stand by. All right. So this is this is U.S. Supreme Court case. I talked to some of the people involved in reparations. I shared this information with them. They want to keep doing what they want to do. All right, well, hell, you, you got to do that shit without me. I, I, that ain't going nowhere. I'm telling you. I love them, but hell, you ain't. You know, a lot of times we confuse activity with productivity. Okay, so read this here. I'm going to give you this link. Read this. I'm going to start. Okay, this is law. This is a U.S. Supreme Court ruling. When you go look at it, read more. This is U.S. National Archives. This is free. Like like J.J. Walker said, it's free <laughs> for Medicare benefits. <laughs> they have some of the original court documents here from the Amistad slave ship case, slave ship case U.S. Supreme Court case 1841. They have some of the original court documents. I'm like, what are y'all doing? So click here, read more, right? So they go through, give you the background information. They, they, they uh, the, okay, trial is skip all that. I've done a whole presentation on this. The Supreme Court decided in favor of the Africans stating they were free individuals, okay? See, see we saw the movie, Amistad, but we didn't understand what we were watching. What you're watching is not to read drama, uh, 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 not just history, but it's law. Okay, hold on. Let me scroll down. I want to go here. See, we didn't understand what we were seeing. This is why before you go see a movie dealing with history, you need to research the history of the movie to understand what it is that you're seeing. You need to go research the subject matter. The Supreme Court decided in favor of the Africans. This is a U.S. Supreme Court case stating that they were free individuals. Okay, stating that they were free individuals. I'm going to blow this up so everybody can see this on, the, on their smartphones. 
The Supreme Court decided in favor of the Africans, stating that they were free individuals, kidnapped and transported illegally, kidnapped and transported illegally. They had never been slaves. This is what the U.S. Supreme Court ruled. They ruled those Africans, Joseph C.Q., they ruled that they had never been slaves. They ruled that they were kidnapped and transported illegally because it violated all of the international treaties at the time. Senior Justice Joseph Story wrote and read the decision, quote, it was the ultimate right of all human beings in extreme cases to resist oppression and to apply force against ruinous injustice, end quote, because those Africans led a mutiny on the Amistad slave ship and killed a lot of those white people on the ship. They led a mutiny. The U.S. Supreme Court said they were justified in taking up arms and fighting for their freedom. The opinion asserted the Africans' right to resist unlawful slavery. This is the U.S. Supreme Court, 1841. The court ordered the immediate release of the Amistad Africans. 35 of the survivors were returned to their homeland of Sierra Leone. The others died at sea or in prison while awaiting trial, okay, leading up to the Supreme Court case because it went through the appeals court process. And then the Supreme Court ruled that they'd be released, but they, they, the Supreme Court didn't rule that they should get compensation. The abolitionists had to raise money to be able to send these Africans back to Sierra Leone because the, the U.S. government wouldn't, even, wouldn't pay to send them back, okay? It wasn't the U.S. ship that brought them in. There's a Portuguese ship that brought them in, okay? But the U.S. government, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in the Africans' favor, but it didn't say, okay, we're going to pay for you to go back to Sierra Leone. The abolitionists had to raise money to get enough money to send them back to Sierra Leone. So next time you watch the Amistad uh, movie, you're gonna see it entirely differently. We have to understand what, what it is that we're actually seeing. They put all this in the movie, the foundation for a legal argument for reparations, they put all that in the movie, we still don't understand. This is why you have to understand history and law. Okay, now, uh, here, read this. Here. This is at archives.gov, U.S. National Archives. They have a lot of good information there. Okay, so let's go to, I want to go to this because I got to pull it up here because we're not on 9, 10 a.m. anymore. They had the cute, uh, Shakita had the clip queued up, but I had so much information to get through. Um, and now we have a format where we have four breaks an hour instead of two breaks. So I got to get used to that. They just started Monday. I have to get used to that. Uh, let's go to this clip here. This is from the cross connection with Tiffany cross MSNBC. Now this is a lot of history. This is some history that a lot of people don't know. A lot of white people don't know this. A lot of African-Americans don't know this. This is why the real history has to be taught. Everybody needs to know, everybody has to understand the real history of this country. Okay, we'll pull that up in just a second here. Uh, we can look at this article here. 
Maxine Waters, Representative Maxine Waters, leads push to get justice for black Native Americans. A dispute between black members of indigenous tribes and the federal government is part of is part of a history that is now being exposed on Capitol Hill. Is part of a history now being exposed on Capitol Hill. Okay, just a second. We'll go to this clip in just a second. I have it queued up now. Congresswoman Maxine Waters, who's a real sister, Congresswoman Maxine Waters is calling out Native American tribes who held black slaves and continue to discriminate against black Native Americans. Now, there are 566 federally recognized tribal nations. Many of them have gotten screwed by the federal government. Many, the, the, the U.S. government has violated over 317 peace treaties with Native Americans. Okay? So we, we deal with the real history, but at the same time, I'm not trying to... Um, I'm not trying to attack the Native American community or I'm not trying to um, foster division or anything like that. I'm dealing with the history. OK, I'm not I'm not trying to do that at all because I have Native American ancestry. Many a lot of us do. And we know African people are the original Americans as well. If you read Dr. David M. Hotep's book, the first Americans were Africans documented evidence. OK, so. Uh, Where's that book? It's around here. Right here. The first Americans were Africans documented evidence from uh, my man, Dr. David M. Hotel, who I've interviewed a number of times. He's a friend of mine. This book here that deals with the African presence in this land we call the United States of America going back at least 51,700 years ago, who were the Khoisan. The Khoisan have the oldest DNA on the planet. They go all around the world. They're the ancestors to the Ainu and the Twa. Ainu and the Twa, and they come here. And we know that Asians come to this land about 5,000 years ago. And the Africans and the Asians intermix. And their offspring are who we have been taught to call Native Americans. That's the offspring of the intermixing of Africans and Asians. Also, you have another uh, another group of Africans, the Folsom people, who Dr. Claude, one of my teachers, Dr. Claude Anderson, talks about the Folsom people, who Folsom, Arizona, was named after. The Folsom people come here somewhere around 13,000 years ago, something like that. All right, now, let's continue. So this is a deep history. Um, and history and law intersect. Descendants of those enslaved by the hands of Native American tribes may get a slice of justice through access to Native American federal subsidies, may get a slice of justice through access to Native American subsidies that had previously been denied to them, okay? So we need to be uh, those who qualify, uh, the, the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866 need to be fully restored and fully enforced. Fully restored and fully enforced because they're still being enforced for the Choctaw, Chickasaw, Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians who get free taxes, free college tuition, they get free radio station licenses, TV station licenses, all different types of things like that. 
those of us who are descendants of those black freedmen who were in these Native American nations, we should qualify for that as well. All that should, all that, that our ancestors qualified for and many of them got stripped of, the descendants should qualify for that also. So we have to have full enforcement of this. The California Congresswoman, Maxine Waters, is seeking to get five tribes to comply with their 1866 obligations to recognize, uh, that recognize black Native American freedmen and their descendants as full citizens of their tribes. And what that did was they helped put us into a protected class as well. This, um, and their descendants as full citizens of their tribes, therefore making them entitled to all of the rights afforded to any other citizens of the tribes. Representative Maxine Waters tells thegrio.com that the Cherokee had 2,511 slaves, 15% uh, of the total population. The Choctaw had 2,349 slaves. The Creek had 1,532. The Chickasaw had 975. And the Seminole had 200 to 300 slaves. Now, I'm not sure what period of time she's, I guess she's talking about 1866, 1867. I'm not sure which state she's talking about because we know the Creek, when we look at the uh, article then with Sarah Rector, the Creek Indians after around 1866, they owned about 16,000 African slaves. So I'm not exactly sure. I'm not sure she's talking about a particular state, a particular city or what. Much of the dispute between black members of the indigenous tribes and the federal government is part of a history that is now being exposed on Capitol Hill because most people don't know this history. The, the law came about after the Civil War because the five civilized, trade of, five civilized tribes of Native Americans sided with the South, sided with the Confederacy and fought with the Confederacy during the Civil War to maintain slavery. They took up arms against the Union. And what it did was it violated existing treaties that the Native American nations had with the Union prior to the Civil War. Those Native American nations lived in Indian territories. After the Civil War, that land's going to be taken back and they were put on Indian reservations because they violated the treaties by taking up arms against the U.S. Okay, I'm not talking about all 566 federally recognized tribal nations. I'm talking about the five, what are known as the five civilized tribes of Native Americans. Now, Tulsa, Oklahoma rose to national notoriety this year, 2021, as the nation commemorated the century-old massacre that destroyed 40 blocks of wealth, uh, of black wealthy commonly known, uh, black wealth commonly known as Black Wall Street. Okay, and here are the three survivors of the Tulsa race massacre. Okay, now it doesn't say that we rebuilt Black Wall Street after the race massacre. This is why we have to deal with that other side of the history. We talk about the destruction. We don't talk about the resurrection. The, the, the resurrection, to me, the resurrection, the fact that we rebuilt it the second time is an even bigger part of the story. And this, this is why Hannibal B. Johnson's book is called Black Wall Street from Riot to Renaissance in Tulsa's historic Greenwood District because he deals with us rebuilding Black Wall Street in the Greenwood District. 
Okay, but now Representative Maxine Waters is leading efforts to get the descendants of the black uh, 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 of the, to get the descendants of black enslaved people on Native American reservations uh, across Oklahoma and Western states their due. The chairwoman, who's the chair of the House Financial Services Committee, the House Finance Committee, which is a, a very very powerful uh, committee that she chairs. Congresswoman Representative Maxine Waters, who's the chairwoman of the House Financial Services Committee, uh, the, the chairwoman and House Financial Services Committee, Democrats have been fighting for the the treaty rights of freedmen since a uh, descendants since at least 2008. Many of these tribes forced their enslaved along the famous Trail of Tears that carried the Native Americans west and helped establish the roots of the black population of the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. All this history is connected. And when I was doing research a few years ago, because I was preparing to be a documentary about Black Wall Street, and I was at the same time working on a, a, a big lecture that I did on Black Wall Street when I when I when I uh I knew something about the link between the two, the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties and the origins of, of the Greenwood District and African-Americans on the land there in North Tulsa and Black Wall Street. But then when I read about it in Hannibal B. Johnson's book, I called Dr. Claude Anderson about it and talked to him because he didn't know about it at the time. He knew about the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties, but he didn't know the connection at the time between that and the origins of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, we had a conversation before I was interviewed for a documentary because we talked. And I broke I broke this stuff down to him. I said, Doc, this is all connected. Now, much of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was also built from treaties between the United States government and tribes. This is why I'm, all these people running around talking about reparations. I'm like, what the hell did you start here? Because this is what was done before. This was this was treaties and laws on the books that are still on the books. Why are we? This is low hanging fruit. Much of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was also built from treaties between the United States government and the Native American tribes. That's Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Elections have consequences. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources, and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, the adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. Politics impacts every aspect of our lives, even when we don't think it does. Okay. Um, Let's continue here. I'm going to pull up this article here done with the Trail of Tears. Uh, the Americans Trail of Tears. It was this piece here. And we're going to go to this clip because I'm about to teach a whole class. This is stuff I teach in my online class. And we do two hour installments. Sometimes you go past two hours. I'm, I'm about to teach a class and uh, I don't have time or the energy for that right now. Um, 
read this on smithsonianmag.com official website of the smithsonian institute how native american slaveholders complicate the trail of tear trail of tears narrative how native american slaveholders complicate the trail of tears narrative this is from march 6 2018 the new exp uh, new exhibition called americans at the national museum of the american indian prompts a deeper dive for historic truths prompts a deeper dive for historic truths and very quickly here in this article by ryan p smith now, this house that they show here is the house of Choctaw Chief Greenwood LaFleur. He had 15,000 acres of Mississippi land. This is his Mississippi home uh, called Mount Mason, M-A-L-M-A-I-S-O-N. He also owned 400 enslaved Africans as well. This picture's from the Library of Congress. He also owned 400 enslaved Africans. So they talk about the Trail of Tears. When you think about Trail of Tears, you think about Native Americans and President Andrew Jackson. What you probably don't picture are Cherokee slaveholders. You probably don't picture are Cherokee slaveholders, foremost among them, Cherokee Chief John Ross. What you probably don't picture are the numerous African American slaves, Cher the, uh, the Cherokee owned, who made the brutal march themselves or else were shipped in mass to what is now Oklahoma aboard cramped boats, aboard cramped boats by their wealthy Indian masters. And what you may not know is that the federal policy of Indian removal, which ranged far beyond the Trail of Tears and the Cherokee, was not simply the vindictive scheme of a white supremacist president named Andrew Jackson, who was Donald Trump's favorite president, because birds of a feather flock together, but rather a popularly endorsed congressionally sanctioned campaign spanning the administrations of nine separate presidents, of nine separate presidents. These uncomfortable complications in the narrative were brought to the forefront at a recent event at the National Museum of the American Indian titled Finding Common Ground, Finding Common Ground. The symposium offered a deep dive into intersectional African-American and Native American history. Hopefully somebody there has, had read Dr. David M. Hotel's book and said African people are the original Americans and we were here before Native Americans came into existence. Hopefully somebody was there to drop that history. They're lucky I wasn't there because I, yeah, I, I wouldn't hesitate to drop that history. Okay, so let's go to, 
Well, that's not true. Somebody said we didn't have no friends. No, that's not true. We've always had we've always had allies. Hell, the Polish were allies of the Haitians fighting against the French and the Spanish and the uh, and the British. When you study the Haitian Revolution, we've always had allies. People don't study history enough to understand we've always had allies. Um. Okay, let's go to this clip here. Now, the the other side of the story that there were some African Americans that owned black slaves too. That, that that doesn't get talked about. There were some African Americans that owned black slaves as well. Now, we owned like in about 1850, 1860, because uh, Dr. Carter G. Woodson did the research on this. Uh, we own about 1% of the, the slaves at that time, about 1850, 1860. Half of the slaves we owned were basically family members we were buying out of slavery, okay? Because you still had, you're going to have free African-Americans who live in the South you see, the, the, the way that we think about um, the history of slavery is largely not the way it actually happened. That's why before the Mayflower by Lerone Bennett Jr. is so crucial. Because you have people, just like when you study Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was a slave who married a free black man, John Tubman. See, the, see, see the way that, so he was free, she was enslaved. The, the way that we think the history happened is not how it happened. All right, let's go to this clip because I'm about to do a. I'm about to teach a class and I don't have time for that right now. Okay, let's go to this clip here. I fight for my great grandmother. Just imagine, as I stated before, being removed from the land of your birth. I fight for her. I fight for all of the other hundreds of Creek freedmen who were disenrolled unjustly. I fight for them. It's not necessarily for me, but I fight for other Creek freedmen descendants because they could use the educational loans. They could use the health, all of the various different benefits that are afforded to people who were tribal members of this nation. That's why I fight. All right, that was from my friend and colleagues, Tremaine Lee's podcast. Now, you may not have heard this one from your history books. Descendants of black people enslaved by members of Native American tribes in the 1800s have still not been allowed to become full tribal citizens. Now, these descendants are known as freedmen. Um, they're not even considered by the tribes to be members, quote, by blood. And the consequences can be extreme. The Seminole Nation uh, tribe even denied COVID-19 vaccinations to freedmen. It was only this month that the Federal Indian Health Services ordered the tribe to provide full health care to freedmen. And Congresswoman Maxine Waters is pushing to withhold federal funding for tribes that do not recognize freedmen as full citizens. 
citizens. Two Oklahoma tribes have announced that they are considering changes to their constitutions to allow freedmen full rights, but months later, after their consideration, there's still little signs of progress. Joining me now is Demario Solomon Simmons, a Black Creek civil rights attorney in Tulsa. You've seen him on the show before. He represents the Tulsa survivors as well. Demario, so happy to have you back with me. Um, I do want to say that we did uh, reach out um, to the Muskegee Creek Nation um, for to invite them to be on the show, um, and they provided a statement instead, which I'll read now. Uh, our people, our nation, and our identity long predate the U United States. Many of our citizens feel that identity is at the heart of this issue, the systematic abuse of Native Americans and the enslavement of African Americans in the United States creates both a complicated history and present a challenge. It is imperative as a government that we meet these moments with full engagement from our citizens. Um, I'll ask you, what's your take on them considering uh, allowing uh, folks like you to be full members um, of these communities? And how long is this process going to go, do you expect? Well, first of all, Tiffany, thank you so much for having me back on your show. You know, it's not about our consideration. They're breaking the law. There's the Treaty of 1866, Article 2, that specifically states that people like myself have the full citizenship rights within the Creek Nation. They are completely ignoring that law. And at this time, the Biden administration is allowing them to get away with that. So it's not a consideration. They enslaved African people. And there are also people that were of African descent that were citizens like my family that were not actually enslaved. But in 1906, the federal government created a, a racist discriminatory list called Freedmen, which was actually unconstitutional as a badge of slavery. And the Creek Nation has used that list created by the federal government to disenfranchise. They've stolen our birthright, they've stolen our culture, they've stolen our history. And as my client, Rhonda Grayson, stated in the clip with Tremaine, uh, Tremaine Lee, they also stolen billions of dollars in benefits that we are owed to this very day. And this has been going on since 1979. We have done everything we possibly can. We've sued in federal court. We currently have a lawsuit in the Creek Nation court system where they have not even uh, assigned a judge in almost a year. We're just sitting there. And we're calling upon the Biden administration to step in and enforce Article 2 of the Creek Treaty of 1866. We need that to happen now. Back in May, Secretary Deb Holland issued a public statement where she yeah. called upon the Creek Nation and the other five tribes to actually uh, adhere to the legal and moral obligations of the Treaty of 1866. Yeah. And, you know, this is everything you're saying is so interesting. And I just um, read this week in reporting that I referenced earlier in the show um, that historians estimate that 20,000 Native Americans were enslaved in the first decade after California became a state in 1850. So knowing that Native Americans were enslaved, but also enslavers shows how complicated history can be. And it's really disappointing that this is, uh, you know, uh, 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 such a, a, a vibe uh, in, between the communities. I'm curious, what's the vibe like in Tulsa, though? Like when freedmen are around... Um, um, you know, some of the indigenous communities, what's it like? Listen, they completely treat us like uh, Jim Crow South. We are segregated. We are not recognized. I've had hundreds of clients go down and try to get uh, citizenship, and they would tell them to their face, you're not an Indian, you're a Negro, you're a formerly enslaved person. We do not want you. You know, you have to think wow. about this. 
My grandmother, Johnny Mae Simmons, who passed away a couple of years ago, she was born a Creek citizen. She spoke Creek. And then just arbitrarily, she was denied and stripped of her citizenship in 1979. So what everyone needs to understand, just imagine if tomorrow the United States government stopped recognizing the 14th Amendment, called all African-Americans freedmen, and said, we're no longer going to recognize your citizenship. You're no longer going to get any of the benefits. You're no longer going to get any of the protections of being a United States citizen. That's what's happened to thousands, tens of thousands of Creek uh, citizen, Creek, uh, so-called freedmen, Black Creeks, and other so-called freedmen, including my family, including Rhonda's family, and many, many others that I represent. Wow, that's very disappointing. Uh, we've only got 15 seconds left, so very quickly, any update on the Tulsa survivor case? Um, I know last we spoke, the judge um, was, was hearing the case. Is there an update? No update. We've been waiting 31 days for uh, a decision that allows us to move forward. And I just want to okay. say that we still need everyone to think about that and go to justiceforgreenwood.org for more updates. All right. We will do that. Thank you so much to Mario Solomon Simmons. You'll have to come back. Okay. All right. Excellent, excellent segment from Tiffany Cross and the Cross Connection dealing with a history that very few people know about a history that is often overlooked, but has monumental consequences. Okay. That has, this history has monumental consequences. Um, read this article here from uh, thegrio.com. Maxine Waters leads push to get justice for black native Americans. And then also the name of the clip here from, uh, the name of the clip from MSNBC from uh, Tiffany Cross's show, Cross Connection. Uh, this is from, it's dated October 31st, 2021, but the show actually aired October 30th. They, they uploaded this clip late because when I checked uh, this past Sunday, October 31st, this clip had not been loaded. And I was actually going to play it from the audio podcast of her show because I, I get the audio podcast also. But they I checked today and they uploaded the video clip. The name of this clip is called Descendants of Freedmen Enslaved by Native Americans in 1800s Seek Tribal Citizenship. Now, this is a history that we're basically not taught in schools. This is a history that oftentimes doesn't even come up during African-American History Month or Black History Month. Okay, so we've got that one. Uh, this one here you can read. This is from March 19th, 2021, BuzzFeed News. A Native American tribe in Oklahoma denied Black citizens COVID-19 vaccines and financial relief. A Native American tribe in Oklahoma denied black citizens COVID-19 vaccines and, and financial relief. Quote, we're stuck in a system that doesn't care about us, end quote, one black citizen of the Seminole Nation uh, said. Okay. New York Times also has a story uh, about this same uh, uh, story as well. New York Times has one uh, also. This picture here is Laetta Osborne Sampson a freedman leader who sits on uh, the Seminole Nation's tribal council. She stands in front of the courthouse in Wawaka, Oklahoma. 
All right, read this, uh, read this one as well. Okay. Now, if you like this type of information, you want to register for the 10 week online course that I teach on Saturdays, uh, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Usually, sometimes we have to do it later. From the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. From the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. So we deal with um, history, uh, some historic events leading up to the Civil War taking place, starting with the Louisiana Purchase of 1803. We talk about the Mexican-American War, 1846 to 1848, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo of 1848, and the U.S. gets the territory that makes up California, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, and Nevada. All They get that all from Mexico as a result of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo of 1848 that ends the Mexican-American War. We deal with the Compromise of 1850. The Compromise of 1850 dealt with organizing the land that the U.S. got from Mexico during the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. And it consists of five bills. One of those bills was the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 that intensified the abolitionist movement. And we saw the Fugitive Slave Act uh, talked about in the film Harriet. We deal with the Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854, the uh, Dred Scott case and the U.S. Supreme Court case, March 6, 1807, uh, March 6, 1857, and the Dred Scott decision, U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the Missouri Compromise of 1820, which we discussed in the class, the Missouri Compromise of 1820 was unconstitutional. And um, that uh, dealt with that dealt with land that the U.S. got uh, because of the Louisiana Purchase of, of 1803. And it uh, it, it allowed uh, Missouri and Maine to uh, come into the Union. But it, it, and Missouri was uh, a slaveholding state. Maine was a free state, but it banned slavery in the other territories, including Wisconsin where Dred Scott and his family was taken into by his uh, slave owner. And the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the Missouri Compromise of 1820 was unconstitutional, therefore invalidating Dred Scott's argument that he was taken into a free territory, Wisconsin. U.S. Supreme Court said that's unconstitutional. We know that the Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854 repealed the Missouri Compromise of 1820 also, but the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the Missouri Compromise of 1820 was unconstitutional. We deal with the uh, Bleeding Kansas armed combat in the territory of Kansas, 1855 to 1859, where you have armed, com armed combat between pro-slavery and anti-slavery groups. And we deal with what leads to the, US, uh, the uh, Civil War taking place and uh, uh, South Carolina seceding from the Union December 20th, 1860, six weeks after. Abraham Lincoln becomes president-elect November 1860. So we do it the Civil War, Reconstruction Era, 1865-1877, Compromise of 1877, Presidential Election of 1876, Rutherford B. Hayes, Samuel J. Tilden. We do it the Jim Crow era and how the Southern state legislatures were rewriting the state constitutions to oppress African-Americans and lock us out of uh, voting and institute poll taxes, literacy tests, sometimes property rights, ownership to be able to vote. And they do this in the South, Mississippi, South Carolina, Alabama, uh, 
We see it in Virginia, different things like this. Uh, we deal with World War One, World War Two, Great Migration, 1915, 1970. Six million African-Americans migrate from the South up North and out West. Red Summer, 1919, over 25 major race riots in this country. Tulsa Race Massacre, 1921. Uh, Okoye Massacre in Florida, 1920. Rosewood Massacre, January, 1923. We go through each class, we go through and analyze approximately a 10-year period of history. So we can do a deep dive into this history and understand what happened to us after slavery ended. What were the laws and policies put in place? What were our successes? What were our accomplishments? What happened to us? What were failures? Then we go through World War One, World War II, Civil Rights Movement, the Black Power Movement. We do the class live. All the sessions are recorded. Next class is uh, Saturday, November 6th. As soon as you register, you can watch the class we just did this past Saturday. We had a fantastic class this past Saturday. Classes on sale, $70, regularly $130. Um, so we do uh, 10 sessions. You can watch from around the world. Even after the 10-week online course is over with, you still have access to the full class. So next year, if you want to go through and watch the entire course all over again, you can do that. Okay, uh, We'll post a link here. It's at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And uh, we'll post a link here as well. You can use this with your children. I would say the content is PG-13. I don't do a lot of cursing. It's not crazy. It's not vulgar, things like that. So you can um, use this with your children also. It's visual. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips. It's a ton of information uh, that we have. Okay, it's not like history class that you had in high school. Because I ain't like history in high school, just to be honest with you. I ain't like it. I ain't do well in history. American government, I think I got an A. I I got A's out of American government. World history, I got C's. I ain't do I ain't like history the way they taught it in high school. When I got to college, it was a different story. And I'm studying African history and I'm taking Africana studies classes. It was different in college. It was totally different than high school. Okay, so uh visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for that from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Then the other class that I teach is uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, okay? So next class is uh, Sunday, November 7th. We do this 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We deal with ancient Africa, the Nile Valley region of Africa. We deal with great African civilizations. We deal with Ghana, Sanghai, and Mali, uh, the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. We take you throughout history, a chronology of history, and then we see what leads to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We deal with Christopher Columbus, who uh, conquers, um, uh, goes into the Caribbean, he goes into Panama and Honduras, and he goes into Central America, he goes into uh, uh, the Bahamas, Jamaica, Haiti, Puerto Rico, Cuba, conquers on behalf of the Spanish crown, King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella. And he helps to lay the foundation for slavery, racism, capitalism, and exploitation of indigenous people, Native Americans and African people. Uh, so we go through and analyze the transatlantic slave trade as well. This second class from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, this second class basically picks up where understanding the transatlantic slave trade leads off because there's so much information I have in understanding the transatlantic slave trade. 
I couldn't do 1865 or 1868 the way it really needed to be done and the way I want to do it. I couldn't do this in this first class. I had to do a separate class for that. So we really go through and analyze all this history. Now, this one here is on sale, $80, regularly $130, same format. We do a live, all the sessions are recorded. It's at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. As soon as you register, you can start watching uh, the course content like right now. When you register, you can uh, watch it right now. You can watch it on, uh, uh, you can watch it on your smartphone if you want to. You can do that as well. Tablet, computer, you can watch from around the world. All right. Okay, uh, this this next story here dealing with the Department of Justice. We'll, we'll get to this tomorrow because uh, we went further than I, I, I had anticipated we would go tonight. But it's a, it's a lot of information here dealing with the history, and a lot of people don't know this information. So I wanted to make sure we did it properly. Uh, but very quickly here, the Justice Department launches. Uh, the Justice Department launches new effort to target discriminatory lending among banks. Justice Department launches new effort to target discriminatory lending among banks. Um, there was a press conference held on uh, Friday, October 21st, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland. And this is, uh, this is really important because he announced a settlement that the Department of Justice uh, did with a, a bank that was found uh, to be in violation of redlining. Okay, so that was um, Friday, October 22nd. Friday, October 22nd was a Friday. Attorney General Mary Garland on Friday, October 22nd launched a new uh, Justice Department launched a new Justice Department initiative uh, aimed at combating discriminatory lending policies among banks saying uh, the practice harms minority communities and contributes to the racial wealth gap and contributes to the racial wealth gap. In an address to staff, Attorney General Merrick Garland cited the history of banks denying loans to black borrowers during the Great Depression, a tactic known as redlining, a tactic known as redlining, and warned that such practices remain widespread more than 90 years later. He said the Department of Justice would, in conjunction with other, with other federal, federal agencies, mount the federal government's quote, most aggressive and coordinated effort. Most uh, the Department of Justice with other federal agencies in conjunction with other federal agencies would mount the federal government's most aggressive and coordinated effort to root out and punish those who violate federal laws that prohibit such practices. Our initiative, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland said, our initiative alone will not erase the full legacy of discrimination, but we will spare no resource 
to ensure that federal fair lending laws are rigorously enforced. I want to go to this clip uh, briefly here, and we'll talk about this some more tomorrow. This is from uh, the press conference on October 22nd announcing this. Did you all hear about this? This was Friday, October 20th. Now, I watched the press conference live on MSNBC when it happened. So I already knew about this. We talked about this uh, briefly on our Sunday show, uh, Sunday, October 31st show. Did you all see the press conference? I, I shared the press conference on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, when it was happening live. Okay, let's see. Um, let me pull this up here. Just a second. We'll go to this clip. Stand by. Let me cue this up. So did you all hear about this when it happened? Friday, October 22nd? This article here is from the Washington Post. Stand by. Doing this clip up. Redlining is a process by which lenders deny services to individuals in a neighborhood because of the race or national origin of the people who live in those communities. Redlining has its roots in programs that were designed to make home ownership widely available for the American people but that purposely excluded minority neighborhoods from accessing those benefits. This changed since the federal government engaged in Depression-era redlining, but discriminatory lending practices by financial institutions still exist. Unfortunately, redlining remains a persistent form of discrimination that harms minority communities. Lending discrimination runs counter to fundamental promises of our economic system. When people are denied credit simply because of their race or national origin, their ability to share in our nation's prosperity is all but eliminated. We are here today to announce that the Justice Department has launched an initiative to combat modern-day redlining. Along with our partners at, at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. We are also announcing our first settlement under the initiative and our second redlining settlement in the last two months. Redlining contributed to, large to the large racial wealth gap that exists in this country. The practice made it extremely difficult for people of color to accumulate wealth through the purchase, refinancing, or repair of their homes. That discrepancy in wealth is clearly reflected in current home ownership rates. Today, a white family is 30% more likely to own a home than a black family. This present day gap in home ownership rates is larger than it was in 1960. When lending institutions deny or avoid providing loans to minority communities because of the racial or ethnic demographics of the relevant neighborhoods, they contribute to these inequities. Such lending practices also violate federal law. The Justice Department has authority to investigate and file fair lending lawsuits 
under the Fair Housing Act and the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. These laws prohibit lenders from discriminating against customers on the basis of certain protected characteristics like race, religion, age, sex, and others. Today, we are committing ourselves to addressing modern-day redlining by making far more robust use of our fair lending authorities. Through the Justice Department's Combating Redlining Initiative, the Civil Rights Division will partner with the U.S. Attorney's Offices. They will mobilize resources focused on making fair access to credit a reality in underserved neighborhoods across our country. The initiative represents the Department's most aggressive and coordinated effort to address redlining. It will seek to address fair lending concerns on a broader geographic scale than the Justice Department has ever done before. The initiative will draw on and strengthen the Department's existing partnership with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and with financial regulatory agencies like the OCC. Our work will be informed by strong outreach to consumer advocates, industry stakeholders, state attorneys general, and other agencies. Together, we will proactively seek to determine if lending institutions are engaged in redlining and when fair lending violations are discovered, the Justice Department will act. Okay, so that was a excerpt of it, the press conference is about 22 minutes that was from friday october 22nd 2021 attorney general merrick garland dealing with a crackdown from the department of justice on redlining he announced the settlement of one um uh, of dealing with one bank dealing with redlining and this was the second settlement this year Dealing with redlining. That's why I said there should be a class. We need to file a class action lawsuit. Go study these redlining cases, these violations of redlining, and file a class action lawsuit um, against the banks, etc., to get uh, get a settlement to get compensation. What some people will call reparations. The term reparations is overused, actually, but to get uh, compensation get something tangible so uh we'll, we'll talk about this more on uh tomorrow's show all right we're getting a um we'll talk about this uh some more on tomorrow's show read this article here from read this article here from uh the washington post Justice Department, Justice Department launches new effort to target discriminatory lending among banks. October 22nd, 2021. All right, we'll talk about this uh, some more tomorrow show. Okay. Uh, if you want to advertise with the African History Network, email us at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, we have uh, two or three more slots left. Our current promotion, buy one month. Uh, get uh, buy one month. Uh, buy one month, get uh, two months free. Okay. And we take your 30 second, 60 second commercial. We put it into the 
uh, rebroadcast of our shows and into the audio podcast of our shows. And if you don't have a commercial, we can create one for you as well. All right. Uh, let's post this information here. An African-American business owner is supposed to name your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Email us at AHNshow at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll let you know how you can advertise um, with the African History Network show and with the African History Network. Okay, uh, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Uh, we're here six days a week. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills, etc. cetera. Uh, this is our... Uh, official cash app account dollar sign the ahn show s-h-o-w when you go to it it shows my picture there and it says michael these other ones here are uh fake african history network cash app accounts those are not me those are not mine uh if you donate to any of these other ones uh report them to facebook let them know uh it was a scam because i've been trying to get these fake ones shut down they've been uh stealing money from us Okay, and then also at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, click on the yellow donate button. Hey, look, we have to get out of here. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. We're on Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. to midnight, and uh, Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, WFDF. We have the information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can also listen to audio podcasts. I'll be uploading uh, more podcasts, uh, uh, some more this week, uh, audio podcasts of the shows. I'm going through editing shows from this past weekend and Friday. Click right here to listen to audio podcasts. And, we're, and you can also download the iHeartRadio app as well. We're on 10 different audio podcast platforms. Um, so wherever you get your podcast from, just search for the African History Network show. All right, look, we have to get out of here. Remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. Uh, follow us on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. Turn on live notifications so you know when we go live. If you like this broadcast, give us a thumbs up. Give us a heart. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube as well. Any of the videos that you watch, if you like it, like them, give us a thumbs up. Uh, follow me on, on my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Turn on live notifications there. Subscribe there uh, so you know when we go live as well. Right now, it's correct. Wrong behavior is not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. On Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black. All positive. All the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30-plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now.
Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted, empower yourself. Start your free trial today.